0: Hey podcast family, you know that we're here at Clinical Pearls to keep you up to date. Normally, we try to put a podcast out before something goes to print, or on the day of, or within two weeks of a release. Well, that's exactly what we're doing right now. I'm recording this on June the 25th, 2022. And on June the 16th, 2022, ACOG released a new practice advisory that really should change the way that we talk to our patients, especially after they've been diagnosed with an STI. Unfortunately, and in all transparency, that seems to be my patient population. I mean, I have a young reproductive age, college age patient base, and just STIs are out there. Well, this is now going to be part of a new quality metric. So I'm preparing you to how to properly document, talk about, and above all, take care of your patients, especially if they've been diagnosed with an STI in the last six months. So that check mark, right? That quality index is, did you follow the new updated STI guidelines for treatment? Check. Did you offer other testing check did you talk about safe sex practices check did you offer partner allowed therapy if it's allowed in your state check but here's the last one did you talk to them about pre-exposure prophylaxis for hiv because that also is a new quality metric that's actually endorsed by the college and the college is a little behind the ball on this one because the cdc made that recommendation last year in 2021 Y'all ready? Let's cover ACOG's new clinical guidance on its new practice advisory for the pre-exposure prophylaxis for the prevention of HIV. Life is too short and too unpredictable to go through without some sort of vision or passion. If you don't know what your passion is, find it now. This is our passion. This is Clinical Pearls. We have to clear up this misperception real quick, because I've even heard it in my own professional circles here in my own community. When I'm talking to a provider or a peer, and I hear them say, oh, you know, it just breaks my heart. I had another 16-year-old diagnosed with gonorrhea or a chlamydia, uh, and we got them treated. And I always ask, well, did you offer them PrEP? Are they at risk for HIV? And the answer I typically get is, no, we, we didn't cover that. I talked to him about herpes and gonorrhea and chlamydia. But, you know, PrEP, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not an ID doctor. What? That's a huge hole that we're missing because according to the CDC in 2019... Heterosexual cisgender women accounted for 16, that's one six, 16% of new HIV diagnosis in the U.S., and adolescent patients are also at risk. They're part of that group that makes up that 16%. And for those of you who are getting ready to sit for your upcoming ABOG oral board certification, you know this is going to be asked. So if you have STIs on your case list, you know that one of the next things that they're going to talk about is tell me your discussion with these patients about PrEP, which is now college endorsed. So it's a good thing to listen to this podcast and I'm going to get you ready to get that answer out there. This matters because back in 2021, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention seeing these trends released updated guidance on pre-exposure prophylaxis for the prevention of HIV in the U.S. And for the first time, the CDC recommended that all sexually active adults and adolescents being informed about PrEP for the prevention of HIV. Historically, it was those that were considered, quote, high-risk or who used intravenous drug use. And those are still obviously very high population to target, but once again, I have to say that verbatim as it is from the CDC brief. Quote, all sexually active adults and adolescents should be informed about PrEP for the prevention of HIV, end quote. So ACOG has stated that based on the CDC's new clinical guidance and its supporting evidence of benefit, ACOG recommends that OBGYNs and expand that to anybody in women's health discuss PrEP with all sexually active adolescents and adult patients rather than providing this information to only those considered who are traditionally, quote, at substantial risk, end quote, of HIV. And we're going to tell you who that is in just a minute. Now I know what you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm not qualified to talk about PrEP, I don't even know what those medicines are, but that's why we're here. It's very easy, there's only three medications that are US FDA approved for PrEP, and two are super easy because it's a combination pill, and one is actually even easier than that because it's just an injection every two months. So let's stop here for a minute and let's talk about the different types of PrEP options available because there's three, two oral and one is an injection. The U.S. FDA has approved three medications for use as PrEP. Two of those are a combination of drugs in a single oral tablet, and they have to be taken daily. The third medication is a medication given by injection every two months. The two oral medications are Truvada and Descovi. And the third medication, which is by injection every two months, is Apertude. These are not just for adults. These medications are approved to prevent HIV in adults and adolescents that weigh at least 35 kilos. That's 77 pounds. That's one skinny adolescent. Daily oral PrEP with a combination medication is recommended to prevent HIV infection among all people at risk through sex or through injection drug use. Remember that use of PrEP is not a free pass to have unprotected sex because all you're getting covered here is for HIV. Now, it's very good at protection of HIV, but it's actually more for HIV transmission through sex, which is about 99% preventative, and it drops down its efficacy for IV drug abuse. However, it's still very, very good. Remember that we still have to encourage condom or barrier use to protect from the other possible STIs out there. Now, here's another question that I can tackle for you right away, because you may be thinking, wait a minute, can I even prescribe PrEP? Is that like restricted to ID or something? The answer is no. Any licensed prescriber can prescribe PrEP. The provider does not have to specialize in infectious disease or HIV medicine. According to the CDC, the FDA, and the college, PrEP is a primary care preventative service that should be offered by any prescriber without restriction given to any patient who is deemed at risk based on that provider's initial survey. Now, I'm going to tell you how to do that survey here very quickly. It takes about a whopping 30 to 40 seconds to have this screen and to see if the patient qualifies or even desires PrEP. Now let's do another question. Wait, what if a patient asks me some stuff and all I know is what the names of these medications are but not how they work? Well, we're here again for that too. When taken as prescribed, oral PrEP is extremely effective at preventing HIV. A few cases of HIV infection have, of course, been reported among men who have sex with men whose high adherence to PrEP was verified, so everything's possible. But it's better than nothing, and it's still very, very good, quoted at an effectiveness at about 99% for transmission or acquisition of HIV from sex. PrEP reduces the risk of getting HIV from sex by about 99% when it's taken as prescribed prescribed. prescribed. And although there is less information about how effective PrEP pills are among people who inject drugs, we know that PrEP pills reduce the risk of getting HIV by that method of transmission by about 74, with some reports saying up to 85% when taken as prescribed. Now, here's an important caveat here, okay? That if your patient's risk behavior is using injection drug use, currently, the PrEP injection is not recommended for people who inject drugs, all right? So if your risk behavior for your patient is intravenous drug use, then they have to stick with the oral medication because PrEP shots are not recommended for people who inject drugs. In terms of efficacy, here's what you can tell your patients. Based on the existing data, oral PrEP reaches maximum drug levels associated with protection from HIV from receptive anal sex at about seven days of daily use. For receptive vaginal sex and injection drug use, oral prep reaches maximum drug levels at about 21 days after daily use. So don't think you take one drug, one pill, one day, and you're ready to go. Seven days for receptive anal sex, but up to three weeks for receptive vaginal sex and injection drug use protection. Now, what about this question? Hey, is this thing safe? And the short answer is yes. PrEP has not caused serious short or medium term safety concerns as PrEP is considered generally safe for people who are even pregnant or breastfeeding. So yes, they can take this even if they are pregnant or breastfeeding. like, Why would they be at risk if they're pregnant? Because they have multiple partners or their partner has unknown HIV status or they have injection drug use. So don't exclude pregnant or breastfeeding women from PrEP discussions. Talking about safety is a good time to talk about length of use. This is not meant to be a lifelong therapy, right? You can't keep it up on prep forever. It's meant to be staged for their level of risk because ideally we should be able to counsel our patients so that they adopt, hopefully, less risky behavior. But it is possible for some women to use this for quite a long time, although it's not meant to be used indefinitely. Remember, that PrEP is also approved for discordant couples in pregnancy. So if your patient is pregnant and is HIV negative, but a partner is known to be HIV positive, especially if they have detectable viral load, my goodness, give that patient PrEP to protect her and the unborn child. As we're doing these rapid-fire questions, here's who should not be prescribed PrEP. If somebody is already infected with HIV, PrEP is not for them. And people with severe kidney impairment do not qualify for PrEP. So remember, you need to first check an HIV before giving this medication, and it's a good idea just to get a baseline creatinine just for documentation that they don't have any severe kidney impairment. Now, I want to go back to testing because we already talked about doing a pre-prep HIV screen and doing a test for kidney function. We already got that. But there's another important test to get, and that's hepatitis B. Because m and tenofovir, which are the two medications used in the oral products, both of those can be used to treat hepatitis B infection. That's okay, right? But in people with hepatitis B, stopping these medications can result in a rebound of hepatitis B viral replication that can actually cause liver damage. So if you don't know that they have hepatitis B and you kind of give them temporary treatment and then stop them of PrEP, they can actually progress in their liver damage. So it's important to check for hepatitis B infection before you give it. And hepatitis B viral infection is not a contraindication to PrEP. You just have to know that they have it so they can follow them accordingly. All right. So everybody who's going to be treated with either the oral medication or any medication that has imdracidabine and tenofovir must be screened for hepatitis B virus before proceeding with PrEP. And a quick word about lipid testing. For patients choosing PrEP with Discovy as their PrEP choice, it's important to do a baseline cholesterol and triglyceride screen before starting PrEP with Discovy. Okay, that's the summary on the initiation, but let's talk about evaluation going forward after PrEP. And talking about evaluation, we can't just give them PrEP and put them on their way. We do have to commit them that this is kind of a regimen. This is a surveillance program. So this has to be done with some kind of follow-up. At least once every three months while they're on PrEP, patients should have repeat HIV antigen or antibody or RNA testing based on their level of risk to see where they're at. And at least every six months, especially for those who are over the age of 50, it's important to monitor creatinine clearance just to make sure that we're not missing anything with kidney function. If there are other threats to kidney safety, like hypertension or diabetes, kidney function may need to be monitored more often or checked using additional tests like a UA for proteinuria. Now here's an important note, a rise in serum creatinine is not a reason to withhold PrEP if the creatinine clearance remains greater than 60 mLs per minute for Truvada or greater than 30 mLs per minute for Descovy, okay? So it's not just the creatinine, it's the creatinine clearance greater than 60 mLs per minute for Truvada and greater than 30 mLs per minute for Descovy. And as potential long-term follow-up, if patients are going to use this for more than 12 months, at least once every 12 months, remember to follow or to monitor patients' triglyceride and cholesterol levels and check their weight, especially if they are given Descovy because it can have an effect on those matters. Also, screen heterosexual active people once again for chlamydia, even if asymptomatic. All right, podcast family, let's wrap this up by doing this quick patient assessment, this quick patient survey that all of us can do. And again, it takes 30 to 40 seconds, okay? So ACOG and the CDC have this algorithm really nice, and we're going to walk through it here super fast, called Assessing Indications for PrEP in Sexually Active People. That's it. So we're going to start off right off the bat with the basic question which applies to us. Hey, have you had vaginal sex in the past six months, or what about anal sex? Which, by the way, and I know we've covered this before, remember, stop asking patients that are sexually active. What the heck does that even mean? I mean, I've been in practice for 20 years, and I'm even thinking, what the heck does that mean? Because it's so varied and it has different implications for somebody else. Be direct. Just ask. I ask our patients, hey, what kind of sex do you have? Who do you have sex with? Do you use toys? I mean, do you have oral sex? Do you give oral sex? Do you have unwanted sex? I mean, you've got to have these conversations. But all this, how are you sexually active? Um, I think we've gotten away from that. Okay, back to the algorithm. If they say, yes, I've had vaginal or anal sex in the past six months, then there's three other doors to walk through. One, have you had any bacterial STI in the last six months that you're aware of? If the answer is yes, I like, oh, I've actually tested positive for gonorrhea. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, then you probably qualify for the PrEP discussion. The second door is, do you have one or more sex partners that have unknown HIV status? And if the answer is yes, then the next door is, do you always use a condom? And if that answer is no, then prep discussion has to be had with that patient. All right, so do you have vaginal or anal sex? First door. Second door is, have you had an STI in six months? And then second door, do you have one or more sex partners of unknown HIV status with unsure condom use? And then the third avenue or the third door is, do you know if your partner is actually HIV positive? And the answer is yes. And if they have unknown or detectable viral load, then they should be prescribed or at least had this discussion for PrEP. See how easy it is? Have you had vaginal or anal sex? Have you had an STI in the past six months? Do you have more than one sex partner? Do you consistently use a condom or do you have a partner with known HIV status and unknown level of virus? That's the discussion right there. And you've had the discussion for PrEP. All right. Now, that's the main gist of screening for sex. But there's another door that we can ask right away. Oh, by the way, one more thing. I ask this of everybody. It doesn't matter what color they are or what they call themselves or your age. I just have to ask, have you ever injected drugs? And that's how you make this universal. And if they say yes, and if they've injected within the past six months, and especially if they've shared injection equipment, then that prep discussion should occur. Okay? So have they ever injected drugs? Oh, no, I don't do that. Boom, then that's done. And then the second is, well, I have, and I've done it within the last six months. And especially if they have shared injection equipment, prep discussion should occur. All right, podcast family, that's it. We've covered the new practice advisory from June the 16th, 2022 from the college. See, now you're all up to speed on PrEP, two oral medications or one injection given every two months. We've talked about your pre-prescription lab screening, your monitoring and how to have discussions about efficacy for PrEP. I hope this podcast has helped you out because it really is an important way to make a dent into HIV transmission to groups of people that are otherwise overlooked, which is young, adolescent, otherwise sexually healthy, heterosexual, cis women. All right? So thank you for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.